All right, I'm here with Abby. She's a paid media strategist on Adam's team. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, so today we're doing a quick Monday metric on cost per lead or CPL. So Abby will get into what is CPL, uh, what are some good benchmarks for cost per lead, like what, what should you really be aiming for? Um, and then you, funny enough, we get off track and you get super deep into the vacation rental industry because that's your past experience and how... Mm-hmm. Um, well, just how they use cost per lead <laughs> and some things to be aware of. So if you're interested in cost per lead, some good metrics, and then even how it relates to vacation rentals, listen on. Okay, I'm here with Abby Glasner. Glazner. Glazner. Sorry, she just started with us. We learned six weeks ago, <laughs> and I'm not good with anybody's last name. Um, but you are a paid media strategist on Adam's team? Yep, yep. So like you said, I started six weeks ago. Cool. Happy. We're excited to have you. You came from vacation rental industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so some some similarities with apartments, but so obviously has some of its unique quirks as well. Uh, but today on this Monday Metric, we're going to be talking about cost per lead. Um, so you drew that straw, Abby. So tell us what's the definition of cost per lead. So cost per lead, essentially your total spend divided by the number of leads for conversion. And you can break it down per really anything you want to look at. So if you want to look at your ad set or your campaign or just your ads in general, you can break it down into cost per lead. And what would you classify as a lead? Really, the company classifies the leads. So when we talk about apartment rentals, we're talking about form fills. So you, someone who's signing up to take a tour of your apartment or someone who's signing up to get more information or get an email from you, that would be a form fill. In different industries, you know, a lead could be someone who um, signs up, subscribes to your blog or even, you know, buys an item from your website and then you could, they kind of work into a funnel for retargeting and stuff. Right. So in apartments, this is basically going to be form fills emails phone calls yeah when it comes to paid media some agencies and you may not totally be up on this yet abby but um some agencies will count like schedule a tour Mm -hmm. as a as a as a lead some will also um count apply now button clicks as a lead i skew away from that i personally and i think actually we as a company have skewed away from that and we've just counted form fills and phone calls because the problem Mm -hmm. with the apply now button is a lot of times that's the agent on site that is just going to the website and clicking apply now for someone that may have just walked in. Mm -hmm. So why should search get the credit for that when we don't, we can't exactly tie it to search because it could have just been again, the agent because that's the only portal they have to go do it. Um, So maybe that's, I'm jumping ahead, but that's a little bit of a caution if you're, depending on your agency, ask them what they are counting as a lead. And so then cost per lead is just simply how much money we spent and then how many leads did we get? And that equals cost per lead. Exactly. Cool. So um, I told you I would take this section, but history <clears throat> for cost per lead, CPL has been around for ages. I mean, back before the internet hit, when you were doing newspaper advertising or TV, any lead that you can tie, you would try to get back to an ROI. So it would be back to cost per lead. In the internet age, in the early in the early days, so like late nineties, early two thousands, not great tracking. If you were e-commerce, you could do some tracking in the early 2000s. My, my first startup, I know we, we could track cost per lead, but that's because there was no offline conversions. Right. 
when you got to offline conversions, it got super tricky to track cost per lead. Um, so it was only in the last like 12 to 15 years that uh, phone call dynamic tracking came into play and we could start tying that back. Yeah. And frankly, call tracking is still something that um, needs some work. And we've been working a lot on it internally. I know a lot of other folks in the space mm -hmm. are working on it. But it, there's just a lot of glitches there. So we'll get into that another time. Yeah. But tying total offline conversions, meaning like walk-ins, for example, very, very challenging to do. You're relying on usually human asking like, hey, Abby, you just walked into my apartment. How'd you hear about us? Let me choose a drop down. It gets funky. So just in digital advertising, we as an agency have just come become okay with the fact knowing that we're not going to get full credit for everything. There's going to be people that are going to see our ads and are going to drive in and we won't get credit for it. Right. And we have to be cool with that. So now we're past history. Let's talk about why it's important. So Abby, why do you care about CPL? So cost per lead is really important, especially for companies that their conversions really happen um, offline, like you said, or for, for apartments in particular, because they have, you know, you're not like buying a t-shirt from a store. You're going to sign a lease and that lease lasts for X amount of months. It's really important because it helps you determine you, how to spend your budget efficiently. So you can look at something and say, okay, I'm spending $50 per lead to get three leads in. You know, that was three phone calls. You know, we'll get into whether or not, or kind of like like you said, you know, whether or not phone calls were good or not. Um, but you can look at another campaign that maybe is spending more, but their cost per lead is also much lower. So you can say, actually, I can kind of divert some money into that campaign instead, hike up some more, more maybe even more qualified uh, leads and get a better bang for your buck I kind of think about it like lighting a fire like how much wood do you need to light the fire mm. if you know two pieces of wood is going to get the job done then you're going to have the same fire as you would you know 50 <laughs> um, then do that because it takes less energy and it's much more efficient for for your marketing spend right so if we have one lease to fill and it takes us 20 leads to close that then we can back into from a cost per lead of $20 how much we need to spend to close that lease. So why throw 4x the money at it if you only need 1x the money? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so um, CPL is something they can use across all platforms, yes? Mm -hmm. So all digital platforms. But um, sort of moving into cautionary tale, maybe not all platforms should you really be, should that be your number one KPI? Mm -hmm. So for like a display campaign, programmatic display, or like an email outreach campaign, or something like this, would you still want to use cost per lead? Like for you personally, is this a metric that is your number one always or um, does it depend? I think as a marketer, it's really important because I think that you do spend a lot of money. Like you'll see in terms of like cost per click versus cost per lead, you'll see much higher numbers in the cost per lead just because that's kind of the nature of what you're doing. Um, but I think that in terms of a day to day, when you're looking at like how many, like how efficient was this email, how many people did it reach or how many people did this ad reach things like cost per click or even number of impressions is like can definitely triumph in that way. I think cost per lead is really important to look at on a monthly basis, which we do at digital because it really gives you an idea, like I said, about how well you are spending yeah, monthly and also trailing. Yeah. Because seasonally, you got to know like, oh, cost per lead went up, but, you know, it's a poor time of year. It's Minneapolis right. in December. Who's looking for an apartment? Yeah. Um, I'd also say another way to look at this is maybe don't dive down straight to the platform level. So don't just single out display or just single out search and look at them all in a vacuum. Look at your total campaign cost per lead. So add up all of your um, ILSs, all of your digital marketing channels, even if you're doing a big offline campaign, 
add up the total spend there and then divide out your cost uh, your cost per lead because uh, we talk about this constantly but maybe if you ran a million dollar radio campaign in Houston you're going to get more leads but you couldn't necessarily track your leads back to that radio campaign right because there's no way to track it so add that into your total mm-hmm. spend for the month and then divide out and say okay did the, did my overall digital marketing strategy was it successful and am i beating beating out prior quarters yeah yeah i would say that's pretty that's pretty accurate for how you should look at it cool so as a kpi let's talk about it i know um you come from a different industry but you're just now moving into apartments but talk to me a little bit about some benchmarks we should be looking at so it really varies by industry um in apartments we like to in a digital we like to benchmark at about twenty dollars a cost per or cost per lead um that being said you know if you're marketing for higher level apartments or penthouses um then you know you shouldn't be afraid to see higher costs again it's all associated with you know your monthly rent so if your rent is five hundred dollars a month versus ten thousand dollars a month then you will definitely see some discrepancies there but at digital we like to look at twenty dollars a month or sorry twenty dollars per, per right, lead <laughs> right if this was like affordable housing you're going to get a heck of a lot lower cost per lead. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes total sense. Um, and I'll put in a, my own little friction point here, but I do not believe actually in tracking cost per lead. I'll be curious, meaning, well, not leaning on that. What I, and some of our listeners that have talked to me will probably get nauseated about this, but I'm all about cost per quality lead. Yeah. So if you're grading your vendors on just what's defined as a lead, that not all leads are created equal, right? You could have right. a really high quality lead and you could have just someone like a vendor that came in through your paid search campaign. They called you. It's going to count as a lead, but guess what? That's not a lead. It's a vendor trying to sell you something. Right, exactly. And that, that's something that I was going to cover with you as well are some things to be aware of. You know, are your leads actually quality leads? And, you know, we at Digital, we like to follow up our leads with things that actually track the quality of like our phone calls, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, that really helps kind of determine you know, even further how many leads we got, but how many of those were actually quality leads that will get someone through the door on a tour and signing in an application. Now, I didn't prep you with this, but coming from the vacation rental market that you mm-hmm. were in, how did you guys go about this? Did you, is there any like unique things that we could learn in apartments from the vacation rental industry? I would say it's pretty similar. I, I would say vacation rental industry is interesting because it, a lot of it's very, um, you know, especially with search ads, for example, you go on, you see, you're like, oh, wow, I want to book that amazing vacation rental. So you go and you, you know, get to the website, you maybe book out like, or uh, fill out an informational form or something like that. But that's just kind of, that's all it really is. It's more aspirational than anything Mm. else. And I feel like you do see a lot of that in the vacation rental industry. And you see a little bit of it in the um, apartment industry as well. I think, you know, people are like, wow, that's an amazing apartment. I want to try to get into it. But I also think that, people tend to kind of understand their means a little bit more. And I think that when we see leads coming through, especially on social, they tend to be more quality leads than you would for a vacation rental. Fascinating. So you're saying the cost per quality lead is a real issue in vacation rentals. Yeah. Yeah, I would, especially, you know, when people call into and now they're wasting our, you know, people's time on the phone as well for vacation rentals, um, just because they want to see and see if they can get a deal as well. And I know, you know, some deals may be able to get struck on the apartment industry, but it doesn't happen as often as I think, you know, that we may be having like a, a week to week special for vacation rentals. Wow, that's crazy. I have to dive in a little bit more, but you, <laughs> you're saying in vacation rentals, people will often call up to haggle. 
Yeah, I think definitely, like, especially if you have a larger group. We've, I've heard plenty of phone calls, you know, with um, people sitting right next to me about how, hey, I have a group of even, like, eight people. And I wouldn't say that's a very large group. You know, eight people, it's my father's, you know, 50th birthday party. Is there anything we can do? We really want to book this place. It looks really fantastic. It would really make his birthday. Is there anything we can do? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, with vacation rentals, similar to ILSs, they have their own kind of third party, like, with Airbnb and all those booking sites. It's yeah. Like their version of ILSs, um, a lot of times they can kind of bring down the price from the vacation rental side. You know, so when they call in, in to book with someone online, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, wait, can you give me a percentage? Like, how often should I actually be calling in to haggle a deal? You should always be calling in to haggle a deal with, really? with the property manager for vacation rentals. Holy crap. If, if, if it's part of it, like if it's like, you know, some grandma down the street who's just on Airbnb and this is her only thing, then you're not going to get a haggle because you won't be able to like, you won't be able to message with her online um, mm. through like through the app. But if you're, um, for example, the company I worked for was a property manager. And so they handled lots of properties and they listed all their properties on these third parties. So if you found one of their properties on say Airbnb and you called in and were like, hey, I want to see if I can get this down, you'll, you'll most likely be able to do it. That's crazy. I would have figured the grandmother I could work over on a better deal, yeah. but you're saying the actual management company is more well, likely. Yeah, it's because essentially all of those third parties, those OTAs, you know, Airbnb, the booking sites, they will upcharge based off of the regular property manager. So the property manager has leeway. Mm. In there. So I need to go around the Airbnb, yeah. go directly to the property manager, and then maybe they can work with me. Yeah. So, so because of, you know, and we do, because we do, or they did advertising on Airbnb and all the OTAs in addition to, um, you know, advertising within the company as well we would see aspirational things coming in from really the OTA side and they would call in and then we would see if we can give them a deal. If not, then if not, but yeah. And see, I remember when I booked my first apartment booked, uh, at least my first apartment, I, this is, I don't know, more than 15 years ago. I, I thought, I thought they could do a deal for me Mm -hmm. and they were, they were like, no, this is the price. And I was like, are you kidding me? You, and I knew they, they were like 20% leased. I was like, you guys have no one living here. You're losing money on the inventory. And by the time I left there, they still were only like 60% leased. They, they had a really tough time because they wouldn't work on, uh, but that's crazy because in apartments you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You're saying you can do that in vacation. Yeah. So kind of tying it all back in, I would say then that we we did get some more leads that were more like trying to haggle and more aspirational because they really wanted to make it special. And I think we all want to make it special with our apartments too. But I also think that because it's a much longer, you're staying there for 12 or nine to 12 months versus a weekend, um, you definitely kind of tend to be with more within your means and those leads are definitely more, more higher quality. Wow. Well, way to bring it back, Abby. Oh, yeah. No problem. <laughs> I'm just trying to get it forward. <laughs> yeah. uh, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Um, trying to think. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So kind of going back to the fact that not all leads are quality leads. We talked about the phone calls a little bit. But I think also a way to check on that with form fills online and through searching through socials to attach your lead to something to a third party that can maybe send out a follow-up email as well. So right now... Uh, we're, we use a site and we're experimenting with some other ones as well, but kind of getting that, like that next step to form of communication. And if they respond to that email, it's definitely a quality lead because they're obviously interested enough to fill out, you know, maybe one or two more questions to get it in there. Um, and that also helps on that side. Yeah. Basically pro tip, you can consider, 
um, self getting leads to self qualify. So if it's a paid search ad or even a Facebook lead form, you can you can get a lot of leads very cheaply, but maybe they're not super high quality. But if you put the price in there and say like someone can will reach out to you for more information, mm -hmm. that gets people to say like, wait a second, do I really want them to reach out to me? And then in addition to if you put an extra like Zapier connection in there, yeah. you can have them after you gather their email, you can then have them fill out like a quick survey, like mm -hmm. how soon you're looking to move in what kind of apartment. And once they just answer those, those two questions, you know, they're super motivated. And so now, you know, those 60% of calls are leads that you weren't answering. Now, once you, they self qualify, it breaks down the number of the garbage and the ones that do come through, you know, are, Hey, they're interested. And I even know their move in day and you can have a real conversation with them. Yeah, exactly. And I think that overall, you know, like I said, I, I like cost per lead. I think it's important, especially in the industry that we do. And, um, it's, it's really, it's nice to look at when you have a smaller budget, because when you have a smaller budget, you don't have a lot of room to play around it. you know, you need mm -hmm. to be spending that money really efficiently and cost per lead. Like I said, is, is telling you if you're spending it efficiently or not, or, you know, to, to a certain degree. And I think like we talked about for day to day cost per click and impressions and, you know, the click through rate, those are all really important. But when you're talking for a long term, um, for how well your campaigns are doing, I think cost per lead is, is a really great metric. Yeah, I'm with you. If there's only one metric you're looking at for your campaigns, I'd lean on cost per lead. Mm -hmm. But then I just take note of some of those cautions we mentioned for throughout sure. this episode. For sure. Cool. Well, thanks, Abby. Thank you.